0: Love,
1: Talk Radio. Good morning, animal lovers, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I've got a fun show planned for you today. First, Jeffrey Isbell will be checking in and talking about the joy and the agony of having a parrot in your life. Believe me, it's not easy to have a parrot as a roommate. Then later, Franco Cavallari has some exciting news for amateur video producers who have an interest in keeping pets fit and trim. Actually, I think everyone will enjoy listening to Franco, who is an expert on pet nutrition. So stay tuned to the Pet Place Radio Show, and we'll be right back on Retro 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining us now is Jeffrey Isbell. Welcome back to the Pet Place. Hi, Marie. So we're going to be talking about parrots today, and I know you have a little unruly guy at your house.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I I see no reason why we couldn't spend the whole show talking about this, so where would you like me to jump in?
1: Well, I think it's really important that people understand all about parrots. Uh, parrots are getting more and more popular these days. Oh, and, they are. And people are rushing into adopting them without really <laughs> understanding what goes into having a parrot. And I'm, they're not just keeping a little bird in a cage.
0: You know, there there are a lot of videos on uh on the internet of uh, of people's parrots. And Um, Just the other day, somebody had a really cute video posted. Somebody else wrote in and said, oh, your bird is so cute. I have to get one of those. And I I quickly responded to that person, and I said, oh, no, you don't. (laughs) I said, not not until you know what you're getting into. You know, a parrot is very intelligent. and Well, I'm the best example. When I, all of my life, I thought a parrot was, uh, any kind of a bird really was just sort of a flower from the animal kingdom. I didn't even know if they really had brains.
1: I think that's why the expression bird brain is so popular. Mm-hmm. Most people don't think birds have any kind of intelligence yeah. at all, whereas in reality, they're probably more intelligent uh, than most pet animals, dogs, cats.
0: Yeah, and I I would have I would have really disputed that or doubted that until I had a parrot. Uh you know, I I still love my dog. I still love my cats. But really, there's another level, there's another order of magnitude of the intelligence of, a, of at least a bird like a parrot. I'm no expert on birds, but I can tell you a lot about, about this parrot. He's um, very sensitive, very emotional, very aware. I was, I was blown away the first time, you know, somebody came back to the house for the second time, and I could tell that his behavior was different with that person than a total stranger I, I really didn't expect that I mean to parrot owners that's not a surprise but if you're like me that, that was really a surprise to realize they're that bright
1: yeah they're very intelligent and they demand a lot of attention they're like having a two year old in your home for 50 to 85 years basically with all the attention and time that a two year old needs
0: yeah you know I, I've our our parrot and, and I have gone through a real transition together. I used to describe him as a um as a as a 2-year-old baby with a pair of uh with a pair of wire cutters for a mouth <laughs> because he's got this huge beak and and he looks like at any time he could snap your finger off. And for the first year or two, he seemed inclined to do that to me. And uh quite amazing. Now I don't think I could get him to bite me if, if I really tried.
1: So you guys have really bonded and established a good relationship.
0: We really have.
1: But it takes a lot of time. It's not like a dog. You go to a shelter, adopt a dog, and a yeah. week later he's your best friend.
0: <laughs> I love you. I love you. Exactly. Not with a parrot. You have I to w-
1: really earn the love of a parrot.
0: Yeah. And if you're not prepared, this is the point, if you're not prepared to do that, just don't get a parrot. You know, maybe you might want to start out with a smaller bird. Although then it's not the same experience. I, I really can't advise on that. But I can say, don't get a parrot unless you want a two-year-old for the next eighty years. I mean, it's really that simple. You know, me, I'm I'm well past twenty-one, and so I'm going to, ha- you know, I'm going to die in this bird's lifetime, and I have to make plans for where he's going to go.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. So, so really, you have to communicate with your family and make sure somebody in your family. Is willing to take this bird into their home if it outlives you?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I can imagine what I would have thought of as just normally kind people saying, "Well, we're going to have to find him a home." <laughs> well, no, it's just not that easy. Imagine taking your little, your little child, your little baby who knows you, who runs around the house and says "Mommy, Daddy," and just giving it away with no explanation and expecting it to be happy after that.
1: Right. It needs to be somebody that your parrot already knows and loves and and can make a a smooth transition with. So if you have a parrot and you haven't already done so, get somebody into your life who's willing to take that parrot in the event of your own death so that they can bond with it and take it into their home if they need to.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I want to balance what I'm saying. If you have the time for it and you're mature enough to have made space that is that that is um, safe and healthy for you and 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 the parrot. It's an incredible pet. Uh, the way that they they cuddle, just the way they look, the way they are, just everything about them.
1: They're very attentive.
0: Very attentive, and um, but you have to be prepared for the realities of them. They scream, they they chirp and make noise and talk a little bit, but they literally scream. They scream in ways that you. No matter what anybody tells you, you can't prepare for it.
1: It's deafening.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's not just deafening. I've, I've had two or three occasions where I thought, for sure I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> I'm t- really, really loud. And, and if you can't handle that, if you're not that kind of person, you know, don't get a parrot.
1: No, and there's other things, too, that parrots do that you need to be prepared for. For Chewing. example, they constantly chew on things. Yeah. And that means your chairs, your... Grandmother's china cabinet that's been in the family for years. Um, documents that you put on a counter that you thought your bird didn't have access a computer,
0: to. A computer mouse pad that has a full glass of something sitting on it. <laughs> uh, one time I came home to find all the keys missing from my laptop computer.
1: Really? So he just plucked them out?
0: Yeah. 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 Once he gets gets it in his mind that there's something that he wants, eventually he'll get it.
1: And and here's the point. Parrots can't be left in a cage, you know, unless they can't be supervised and, and it's the safest place for them for a short period of time. Right. But they really do need to be out and about. Keeping them in a cage is just cruel for any intelligent being. They should be in a cage at night, all covered and warm and snuggly, but... During the day when they're awake, they need to be out doing things and interacting with things, or they become actually self-destructive. They'll start feather plucking. They'll start injuring themselves. They become very depressed.
0: It's a vicious circle, because once you have a parrot that's plucking its feathers, people tend to avoid it and ignore it even more.
1: Oh, wow, that's terrible, and you just can't have that. So what kind of time commitment do you think is involved in having a parrot? Can you be working full time and be a successful parrot person?
0: You know, it it's possible that if that if you have a pair, they can keep each other company, but that's really no way to go because then they don't bond with a human the same way. Uh they can become more aggressive with humans. Uh but a but a parrot on its own really needs to be in a home that somebody's around most of the time. I mean, yeah, it's so not. If a, it's you're
1: working long hours and yeah. you commute long hours too, no. a parrot is not the best no. for you. No,
0: I mean just just rule it out. I tend to, I try to see the bright side of everything and say, well, maybe there's a way, but no.
1: Only if you could take your parrot to work with you. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> a, a, and and a lot of jobs, that's a great thing. You put mm-hmm. a perch in the office, you set them in there. It's a good conversation starter.
1: Unless uh, of course you start screaming in the yeah. middle of a conference because you're out in another room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, there's got to be yeah, a lot of comic situations I'm sure, but uh, a great little companion, but you know they want to be there. They they want to be involved.
1: And what about safety concerns? Can you have a parrot with children or do you, can are there just precautions you can take?
0: You know, here's the thing. I mean, uh, a parrot is a prey animal in the wild. And you know, they're they're going to do they have to learn to do things to protect themselves. They, uh, a child can appear to be a threat, and a parrot is standing on his feet, and he has wings for arms. The only thing he has to communicate with and to protect himself with is his mouth. And his mouth, as I said, is, 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 is pretty strong and pretty sharp. So it takes a long time, a lot of familiarity with the animal, before you can be sure that he'll be safe around children. Even then, maybe only certain children that he knows.
1: So probably it would be best to introduce a parrot into a home where a child is a little more immature, you know, at least eight or nine years old, understands the do's and don'ts. You don't touch the parrot this way. You give the parrot its space. You only play with the parrot if somebody else can be around to supervise.
0: Well, if you've got a parrot, you've already got a baby. Yeah, if, <laughs> if you get two babies together, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, at least a, a child that can exercise some self-control. Um, is extremely important. Now in the area of safety, also you have to be particularly careful about parrots. Parrots can live a long time, but they also can be killed suddenly by something like a a pilot light that's gone out and gas fills the house. Or uh, uh, avocado is is a very well known um, toxin, contains a toxin for parrots. And there are other foods too that are that are not good for them. And
1: parrots. anything with Teflon or a non-stick surface, you cannot use those in a home with a parrot. Because
0: love cooking with that non-stick. Yeah. Uh, you know
1: the fumes will kill your parrot in in very little time. And yeah. it's it's such a tragedy. I've had so many people write to me and tell me. In fact, just last week, a woman wrote to me and said she was using her self-cleaning oven for the first time. And when she came back home, she literally saw her bird fall from its perch onto the floor of its cage, and she took it outside immediately to get it fresh air, but it it died in her hands. Oh, no. And it was just so tragic. And these are all things you need to know about before you get a parrot. There are so many things, scented candles, various cleansers, mothballs. Pretty much anything that has a strong fume could potentially kill your bird. And I can't say enough about doing some research before you adopt any pet, Any pet: a parrot, a dog, a cat, a horse, whatever. Do your research first and make sure that you're willing to do what it takes to make a safe environment for your pet.
0: Yeah. yeah for anyone who's heard the old expression, a canary in a coal mine, uh, that, that, that expression didn't come about for no reason.
1: Their respiratory systems are very, very advanced and that's so that they can fly. But they were designed for being outdoors in the fresh air. So when they're indoors and the home is filled with all these toxic fumes from everything in our current environment, it could get pretty bad. And the gas exchange that goes on in their very specialized respiratory system works against them.
0: Yeah, uh, they're, uh, they're a great pet, but they're a big responsibility.
1: Absolutely. Well, um, I, I realize that we're running out of time here, so I'd like to ask you if you have any final tips for anybody who's thinking about getting a parrot.
0: Hmm. Try to spend some time around a parrot. You, you really have to hear that scream. Try to get a parrot, if possible, that you know its uh, its origin. I I've come to realize that the difficulty I had with Petey came about because he had a very uh, he had a very um,
1: Difficult path. Yeah. Came with a lot of baggage.
0: <laughs> came, came with a lot of baggage. He'd been shifted around from place to place, and he, he didn't know who he could trust.
1: And that's I, hard y- on a bird.
0: You couldn't have convinced me that that would have mattered. I just didn't think they had enough of a brain for that to matter. But, uh, but it, it really did, and that was, that's what made him so tough to deal with. But, uh,
1: but you yeah. worked it all out. You can
0: work it out. You can.
1: Well, Jeffrey, it's really important that people know what they're getting into before they get into it, so I'm so glad you were able to explain a little about what goes into providing a home to a parrot.
0: Oh, uh, My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: We need to take a very quick station break now, but keep your radio tuned to Retro 1260 for more of the Pet Place Radio Show. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I'd like to welcome Franco Cavallari to the show. Hi, Franco. Hi, Marie. So I heard that you have a really fun video contest coming up, it Up, right?
2: We do, yes.
1: And what is that all about?
2: Well, It Up is a program we've created to invite uh, people and their pets to uh, send us a video of them exercising and to get creative if they <laughs> they can. And um, upon us selecting the most uh, exciting, I guess, or extravagant uh, exercise program, they would win a year's supply of our uh, veterinary health products,
1: clear okay. Pet Health. So in, instead of working out with Jane Fonda, you're working out with, let's see, uh, some Basset hounds. <laughs> What are some of the other uh, big uh, dogs that tend to have weight problems?
2: Oh uh, well, you know we have bulldogs that generally tend to have problems, but I think they have a bit of a, uh, a problem also running if uh, if that's your exercise. Um, you know, the bigger breeds uh, I think tend to be conducive to this, but I. I mean, I, I run pretty much six days a week, and I have three dogs, so I kind of alternate them as opposed to taking them all at once because it tends to be a bit of a fiasco if I oh, take them all at once. I couldn't
1: imagine running with three dogs no. at the same time.
2: Uh, you know, I used to, but it just—it it, it turned to, once you get into the park and the squirrels get into the picture and you've got terriers <laughs> running in three different directions, you know, your run's over. And you yeah, have a
1: couple of dislocated shoulders. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Well, you know, let's talk about running with your dog for one a minute before we, we delve into some other areas of pet health. But don't you really need to get your dog into shape before you start doing any major distance running?
2: Absolutely. I mean, a dog has to be conditioned just like you and I have to be. And so these are things that we need to work up to uh, with them. And the interesting thing is that, you know, today people are realizing that obesity is 25% of the population, depending on which statistics you look at, um, the human population. And so they're starting to look for ways to become motivated, and and they're looking to their animals to join them as as their training partners, because, you know, going to the gym is great, but it it can become monotonous, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, FIDO needs to go out for the walk, so they start to incorporate programs... uh, that work for them and FIDO at the same time, and FIDO becomes their training partner because they have to go no matter what. You know, your dog can't stay in the house all day.
1: No, and you know what I've noticed, too, with regards to obesity as, as here, people here in the United States, um, especially here in my neck of the woods, I've noticed as people tend to get a little more obese than they should be, their pets are similarly obese. And, and it's, it's really funny almost because... I'll meet people who who want to show me their pets, and, and I notice that mm, yep. they need to be exercising a little more, and then their pet will walk in, and it's huge.
2: Same, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's funny you say that because, um, you know, a lot of the work that we've done, the research shows that, you know, I mentioned that between 25 and 30% of the human population uh, is riddled with uh, obesity and then the secondary uh, diseases that are related to it. We have the exact same mirror image in the pet industry, and that's simply because what we've done is brought our pets intimately into our lifestyles and they've become to adopt they've come to adopt many of our lifestyle habits and our lifestyle um, um, ways of ways of living
1: yeah I don't think it's so much that they've adopted our habits I think we've kind of forced our habits onto them I mean we we give them all these in-between meal snacks that they wouldn't necessarily have if they were living a more natural life and we give them fatty foods and and things that they shouldn't have and And it's just because they look up at us with those big pleading eyes and and we can't say no.
2: (laughs) And, you know, in addition to the feed, it's also the lifestyle. You know, if you leave a dog to... uh to its own and, and you have more than one dog in the backyard you, and the yard is big enough, they're going to they're be reasonably active. You know, I have an acre where there is enclosed for my three dogs, and they run around all day. However, if I brought those three dogs into the home and they stayed into my home, you know, 24-7, they're going to sit around and be lazy. It's just a function of the environment being a stimulatory um, a component to them. So, you know, you bring them into the home and that's 80% of their lifestyle, then they're just basically going to adapt to that by sitting around and... Um, and there's the lack of stimulation. So, you know, we find that our work has showed that um, fit animals will live as long as 20% longer than fat animals. Just and, like
1: with people.
2: Exactly. You know, and so there's a reduced risk for joint disease. There's also, you find that people themselves who own a dog, the statistics show that they tend to be 15% fitter in terms of the BMI scales.
1: Because they're getting their dogs out and going for
2: walks. Absolutely. So, you know, they say that people tend to be, you know, healthier when they have close contact and they're in close proximity with an animal uh, because of the love and touchy-feely thing. And there's a lot of psychosomatic stuff that goes on there. But I think it's a lot more than that. You know, what happens is if you have a dog, rain or shine, that dog has to go out if you don't have room for that dog in the yard. So Mm -hmm. you need to take them for a walk, and that basically facilitates your activity for the week as well.
1: Okay what other exercises aside from just going out for a walk can you do with your pet?
2: Well, one of my favorites, which is very basic, you know, is taking your walk and then alternating your run and walk. And and this is a great way for people to build conditioning towards long-term running with their animal. You know, you run three minutes, you walk one minute. You run three minutes, you walk one minute with your dog. And both of you then can bring up your level of conditioning. The other thing is then once you can run straight on for, you know, your 20 or 25 minutes, then you start varying the terrain. Now, variable terrain, when you're going from inclines to declines, uh, for a dog, emulates a lot of the resistance training that we do as humans, maybe in the gym with weightlifting. Okay. And because, you know, as a dog's climbing, they're getting a lot of hindquarter work, and that's more anaerobic activity to build muscle. When they're going down the hill, they're getting a lot of uh, fore um, front area work, with the chest, shoulders, and that's, that's emulating a lot of what we do in the gym with the resistance training. And it's great for humans because variable terrain training or or um, um, this, this type of training where you have uh, the intensity slightly varying throughout the, the, the period of work, um, it tends to build good muscle tone. It tends to build better endurance and muscle strength than long-distance training does. So it's a great way to work out. Here's a funny thing I do. See, I come from the bodybuilding background. I used to be a competitive bodybuilder uh, and, and and competed in Mr. North America many, many pounds and many years ago. So <laughs> I like to take a little dumbbell with me. and oh, so okay. Just a five-pounder, not very heavy, mm-hmm. but it's interesting when you are running at a slow pace with a five-pound dumbbell in one hand, not both hands,
1: mm-hmm. and you have
2: your dog in the other hand, you are forced then to balance your body at every pace and every step you make. And then you switch over and you might do some curls as you're going because what you're doing here is you're combining the anaerobic and the aerobic activity and forcing the body to adjust so that the core, that's the center of your body, is adjusting to the imbalance that's being created by the extra five-pound weight that's thrown off to the side every once in a while. Wow, so
1: that's interesting. an interesting idea.
2: Yeah, interesting way to go. Um but there's a lot of different things you can incorporate with your pet. I mean, you can you can you can use straps on your pet to have them pull you on on roller blades on on you've probably seen the dog whisperer on television doing this with his dogs mm-hmm. to, to advance the exercise intensity.
1: We've had some guests on our program who are involved with urban meshing too, which oh. is a, a a growing thing out here in southern California where right. huskies and some of the that type of breed are out pulling specialized sleds that have wheels, uh, all three park paths, and it's a lot of fun, and the dogs just love it. Oh,
2: of course they do. You know, then we have, um, we, we do, I, I used to do a lot of the agility trials and um, and the flyball running with my little dogs, but I think for the major part, you know, what we're talking about here with the Weeder Pet Health Program and the it Up is to get people active with their dogs. Get out there, you know, if, if you're walking today, step it up a little bit and, you know, run one block, walk a block, or run three minutes and walk a minute, and then start using that variable training. Your life will change. The walk is great.
1: Let's, so let's talk spay- a little bit about the difficult cases. I know with people sometimes they, they work out, they eat right, but they just can't take the weight off. Does that happen with dogs also?
0: It's the
2: same. You know, one one of the biggest problems with dogs and cats is the spaying and the neutering that eliminates the estrogen and the testosterone and and um as much as that is a phenomenal thing in terms of the pet the control of the pet population, um, it is one of the biggest factors in my opinion that contributes to the obesity and other ailments that these animals uh, exhibit so you know once you eliminate these major hormones the immune system doesn't work like it should thyroxine and other hormones involved in balancing um, thermogenesis and other fat managing systems in the body start to decline and so this doesn't mean that uh, all efforts will be futile but what it does mean is that you have to become more diligent in the approach and you know I always say that it's a lot easier to create conditioning in your pet than it is for yourself, because you can control their diet more easily than you can control your, your own, because mm-hmm. we have our own neurological programs that cause us to eat. Okay. Of, yeah.
1: So you can sort of jump-start their metabolism uh, back to a, a good, healthy pace again.
2: Absolutely. And you can do that through slowly exercising. Obviously, if an animal's overweight, you don't want to get into exercise too aggressively but you can add various nutrients to their feed to improve the metabolism, especially if they are uh, challenged because they might be spayed or neutered. And, you know, animals are each distinct, just like humans. They're going to respond to these, um, these uh, conditions very differently, case to case.
1: Franco, let's give your website out because we're just about out of time, and I'm sure you have a lot more information there.
2: Uh, the website to, um, to go to would be weederpethealth.com.
1: And how's that spelled?
2: W-E-I-D-E-R-P-E-T health.com.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today. We do need to take our final break now, though. But when we return, it's time for Pet Place news and events coming right up on Retro 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. The construction of the Klein Family Education and Therapy Building at the J.F. Shea Therapeutic Riding Center is complete, and a grand opening to dedicate the organization's new home will be held on Thursday, February 25th from 4 to 6.30 p.m., the entire community is invited to join this open house celebration, which includes a dedication ceremony and a sight blessing at 5 p.m., as well as building tours and Shea Center rider demonstrations. The J.F. Shea Therapeutic Riding Center is dedicated to improving the lives of people with disabilities through therapeutic horse-related programs. The privately funded Shea Center was founded by social worker Fran Joswick in 1978 and currently serves more than 525 clients annually with approximately 54 varying disabilities. The newly renovated Shea Center is located at 26284 Oso Road in San Juan Capistrano. For more information, visit www.sheaacenter.org. Don't forget to email us at the Pet Place to let us know what you'd like to hear about on this program. Find all our contact information at www.petplace.org. Remember, we do this show for you, the pet people out there, so drop us a line every now and then. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spay or to your pets